Okay, hold on your hat. Today, uh, maybe, is that right? Hold on, hold on to your hat. Is that, how do you say that? Hold on to your hat. Yeah, that's it. Hello, hey, hold on to your hats. Okay, so hold on to your hat. Because today we're going to talk about sunk cost. And there's nothing more interesting than sunk cost. Hi, everybody. Todd Conklin, Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. This is a quite a little, we're in the like the 200s of just the interview, pod, the long podcast. So we're at like 400 and something podcasts. And yet I still can't get through the introduction by saying, hold on to your hat. I mean, I, well, I don't, you'd think you'd get better at stuff after a while. At least that's the theory, right? You do it enough times, you get better. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll ever get better at conversation. I mean, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I don't think I'm bad at conversation. I just think I'll always have little foibles. And when you when you record everything, like I uh, tend to do, because you know I've got this commitment with you where I make these podcasts and I put them out with. I try to do it with pretty good regularity, and uh, and then the commitment I make is that if I make these podcasts. They probably ought to have some kind of value to you, at least in um, killing time, and really value as it relates to things like, I don't know, thinking about the new view or understanding safety differently or thinking about reliability as reliability kind of moves into the system. All those things are a huge part of what we talk about. And th- and that is uh, that is what we're going to talk about today. The podcast is Screaming Merrily Along. I am screaming merrily along. Um, it's a it's a sad day at the Conklin household because um, I'm in a transition because my helper, the person who keeps me honest and looks at my calendar and tells me to not, you know, book back to back gigs and if I'm resting and eats my cookies and. Leslie's leaving me. She's she's going on to uh, bigger and brighter things in the world. Now, what she really wants to do is kind of some stuff on her on her bucket list that she hasn't done, and so she wants to travel more. And to travel more, she says she can't really dedicate the time. So I'm in a transition period, um, and man, it's hard because good people surrounding you yourself with good people is such a comfort. You know this. You do it. You have all these incredible people who work with you side by side through thick and thin, and uh, you just can't help but sort of fall in love. It's a, it's a relationship built on mutual success and feeling good, and and it's always good when people move on. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I learned that early in my career is that everybody can be replaced, but I don't mean that in a, in a negative way like uh, you can be replaced. I mean that in a positive way that if you're a really good leader, your reward is the people who you work with and mentor and hang out with, those people will leave you and they will go on to be bright, shiny successes in the world. And that's your gig. That's, that's, that's how it's supposed to be, but it's hard because you get all involved, but you know, we're working through it and I just keep getting Leslie to delay a little longer and a little longer because you know, if you can stop the inevitable from happening, uh, and you're lazy like I am, it's a pretty good way to do it. <laughs> and so that's what I'm up to. That's been my excitement, and that's quite a bit of an excitement for me. I mean, that's a, I just gave you kind of big news, at least to, at least from my home front, that's big news. 
Other than that, mm, let's see. Oh, man, there's all sorts of great things happening. Um, wow. I mean, just great things. Uh, fun workshops that are going on even as we speak. Well, one's already happened, so that's been very cool and super fun and a super cool part of it. A uh, big one coming up in March, but I think it's full, unfortunately. But there'll be more. Don't worry. There's always more. Any chance I can hang out with you, I would like to take. That's that's where I am. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about um, well, about a whole bunch of stuff. But I think to get into it, I, I probably first need to tell you a story that I think is a story worthy of hearing because it's a story about systems, about workers, about processes, and about operational conflict, goal conflict. Now, remember, we've talked about this before, but goal conflicts are really interesting because they produce an environment where the, the worker doing the work, you know, out there in the pointy end of the stick, the worker has to somehow um, make a determination. Not necessarily a choice, but sometimes a choice, but oftentimes a determination that's often made for them because two parts of your system have collided. And those two parts of your system's colliding, well, that creates operational discomfort And in operational discomfort, what you have is the potential for failure to happen. Complexity is a big thing. Complexity is many facets tightly coupled. When those couplings of two procedures or two processes or two values, when those couplings come together, then that, my friends, becomes a really interesting place to look. So let's come back, and I'll tell you a quick story. It's the biscuit story. I'm going to tell you the biscuit story on the Pre-Accident Podcast. So sit back and relax. If it's your first podcast, man, did you pick a weird one to start on. But that's all right. We'll we'll make it through it. Just hang in there. You're going to hear a remarkable story. All right. So let's tell this story. How to tell this story. How to get into this without sounding goofy or snooty or snooty and goofy. So, um... So I'm flying the other day to, um, I'm actually flying to Copenhagen. I don't know how much you know about flying to Copenhagen, but from Santa Fe, New Mexico to Copenhagen is relatively an interesting challenge because you can't really get there from here. I mean, you have to go a bunch of other, like, like this trip, I had to go Santa Fe to Denver, Denver to Chicago, Chicago to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Copenhagen. That's that. And that was, a. I mean, that's pretty normal. I mean, that's not a unusual flight. So I, 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 that's what I got to do. Right. And it's going to take me a long time and, and I have to do it. And it starts early in the morning because, uh, when you fly out of Santa Fe in the winter, you get two choices. There's a seven thirty flight and then like a four thirty flight. Now during the summer, when people come as tourists and hang out and have a great time, there's a mid afternoon flight, which is like a one o'clock flight, which is better. So I get on the seven o'clock flight. Everything's great. I'm having the greatest time. I got like a two minutes to change planes in Denver, which completely sucks. And I'm flying on, I don't want to say the name of the airline, but it's United. So I said the name. So I fly, I fly Santa Fe to Denver. I barely make the connection in Denver, which is because I'm flying on like air toothpick. I'm flying on one of those little tiny planes. And I don't know how, if you've ever been to the Denver airport, it's really fabulous, right? It's a beautiful airport. It's amazing. And it's designed to be technologically advanced. But quite honestly, it kind of sucks for the passengers. 
And the reason it kind of sucks for the passengers is there's tons of like automatic luggage moving deals and and the planes are in and out of there pretty quickly and the the taxiways are wide and the gates are big. But the problem is, is I came in at gate 93, which I think is, I think that's the last gate on the B concourse. So I'm clear out on one end and I'm in the little tiny airplane airport. So I'm in the one where you, when you walk out the gate door, you're on the tarmac and you walk across the, the, the asphalt and you get on the plane like some kind of executive jet setter guy, right? So I come into flight 93 or gate 93 and I have to go to gate 11. So that's really far. If you've been to Denver, that's that's really far. In fact, somebody told me it's actually over a mile. And I'll bet that's true. And the problem with Denver is there's not there's not like there's a train between the concourses like between A, B and C, but there are no little internal trains like Detroit's got that cool train um that goes down uh, in the ceiling, but it goes down the middle of the really, really long concourse. Denver needs something. I mean, they don't have anything like that, but they need something like that. So I'm hustling through the airport, you know, wondering if they'll pick me up in a little car or a golf cart. Cause you know, you know, I got this thing about golf carts, but that's uh, probably a different podcast. So I'm zooming through the airport and I'm, and I'm just clunking along as fast as I can. I'm not going to run because, <clears throat> well, if you've seen me, I'm not going to run because I'm not going to run. But also, I'm not going to run because, you know, it's life. And I, if I miss that plane, I'm sure there's another and they'll take care of it. And But nonetheless, I make it. I'm panting and sweaty, but I make it to the plane. And I get on the plane and I'm flying from Denver to Chicago. And then at Chicago, I'm going to slip over and go to the big plane and fly uh, over the ocean and go to Frankfurt. So I get on the Chicago plane and, and, and I sit down. <coughs> And I'm not in a bad mood because I'm trying to really practice seeing the good in all humanity. But I sit down and I'm on, there's like five rows of first class and then 25 rows of, of normal class. And on this flight, I got bumped up probably because this ticket costs a lot of money, but they bumped me up. So I'm in the last row of first class on the aisle. So there's like four seats per row. There must be 20 first class seats. I I would be like in seat 19. And the person next to me, sitting next to the window, well, she's in seat 20. And we sit down and everything's great. And uh, and we take off and I make the flight. So I'm, you know, it's getting better because now I just have to get through Chicago. And it's snowing, by the way. That's I know that's coming up. And then I have to get to Frankfurt. And Frankfurt... Frankfurt and Los Angeles International Airport are both just horrific. And, and the one in Paris, Charles de Gaulle, those are really terrible airports. But nonetheless, um, I get on, I sit back, we take off. I'm listening to, uh, I don't know, some podcast probably. Uh, probably the one I'm listening to is called Akimbo, which is the, the my kind of my new favorite podcast. So I'm, I'm jamming out on the podcast. And the flight attendant comes up, super nice, no problem at all. I take my headphones off and they say, you know, would you like to have breakfast and i say sure and she says we have a cold protein bowl and uh an egg white omelet and i said um man those names are not very sexy because first of all cold protein bowl sounds like a, a descriptor of something that that you'd have in like a bio lab 
you know, you'd walk through the biolab and they'd say, well, this is our autoclave. Uh, this is our sterilization chamber and that. Well, of course, you know that. That's the cold protein bowl. Uh, let's go to the cafeteria, right? So I say to the flight attendant, and, and she's very funny, and I say, uh, I think that's a dumb name for that. What is it? And she said, well, it's uh, cheese and uh, beef jerky sticks. I think so. I think that's what it was. And almonds. I remember she said almonds and a boiled egg. And I said, oh. I said, well, I don't think you should call it the cold protein bowl. And she says, what would you call it? And I said, uh, I don't know. Call it the eye opener. And she said, that, that actually sounds like a better name for it. It's certainly less clinical. And so I said, well, let's, let's run it again. So she actually walks away. And then she comes back and she said, will you be having breakfast? And I said, oh, you're serving breakfast. And the lady next to me, uh, who's kind of in seat 20, right? She's listening. And I said, well, what are my choices? And she said, well, we have a, an egg white omelet for the eye opener. And I said, oh, what's in the eye opener? And she lists all the things. And then she kind of gets stumped. And the lady in seat 20 says, and don't forget the boiled egg, which is the highlight of the eye opener. And I said, well, I, I think I'll have the eye opener. And so we laugh and, and everything's fine. And, and, uh, and pretty soon she comes back and she brings me the eye opener. And it's uh, just as hideous as it sounded when I described it to you. And everything's going great. We're laughing. The lady next to me thinks I'm funny. And, you know, I'm clearly thinking I'm funny. So everybody's thinking I'm funny, at least in my row. And she comes back about, I don't know, five minutes later. And she says, would you like a biscuit? And I said, well, sure. But there were some amazing cinnamon rolls that you were handing out to the rows in front. And she said, Oh, yeah. Um, so they all got snapped up really fast. And I said, well, so what do you mean? She goes, well, everybody ahead of you um, got to choose the hot cinnamon roll, and all we have left are these biscuits. And I said, but what if I don't want a biscuit? And she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, oh, no, it's not personal. I don't mean this is the, that I'm mad at you. But I said, it strikes me that it's kind of stupid that um, I don't get a choice. And so now everyone's kind of listening. I can see the lady next to me listening, and the two guys sitting on the other side are listening because they also didn't get a choice. And I said, well, how many do they give you? And she said, well, they give us, um, they give us uh, 10 biscuits and 10 cinnamon rolls. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, so how do you do that? And she said, well, um, I just do it first come, first serve. And then she started to apologize and said, I, I'm so sorry. I, I should have been more aware. And I said, well, it's not really you because you're just trying to do your job. What scares me is that they've actually created a situation where you have to, every single time you do this, you have to face people and actually remove a choice that was once offered and that they know of. And it's kind of a social fairness problem. And uh, I could tell the people next to me were now becoming less interested in what I had to say. And the flight attendant was interested, but I think she thought I was going to get mad. I mean, I was never angry, but I just thought it was stupid that um, for whatever the price of a cinnamon roll is, which I'm guessing if you're United Airlines and you buy cinnamon rolls, you buy a lot of them. Clearly not enough of them, but you buy a lot of them. 
And so I'm guessing the cost on this is let's let's be crazy and be conservative and let's say it's a dollar. And what I said is um, your company has put you in an operational conflict around social fairness where the potential to actually make a passenger angry is high over a dollar. And she said, I know, it's a real problem. And she said, I think they do it to save money. And I said, yeah, but in the money they've saved, what have they bought? So they have less cinnamon rolls, right? And I guess that saves money in the giant global cinnamon roll market. But what you've created is actually a conflict point operationally. And why I tell you this story is not because it ends well. It ends fine. I mean, I really wasn't mad, and biscuits are fine. I mean, it was great. A biscuits, you know, with a cold protein bowl. I'm sorry, the eye opener. It seemed like a cinnamon roll would be counter-theoretic, you know. You don't want to eat all that crap and a cinnamon roll. You probably should just have, like, a celery stick. But and nonetheless, I went with the biscuit option because that's all I had to choose. I don't tell you this story because I didn't get a cinnamon roll, although clearly I'm a little pissed off I didn't get a cinnamon roll. I'm really sensing that right now as I tell the story. I'm telling you the story because this is a pain point that we've created in a system that we expect, uh, dare I say this, we demand that the worker manage. So we, in the interest of gaining efficiency, if we're United Airlines, we have actually saved money but we've actually created an environment where we know the worker has to manage some kind of social fairness. And there's probably a lot of ways you can manage it based upon, I don't know, the highest frequent flyer guy. Or you could, you could do tallest to shortest. Or, or you could actually have a, a, a vote. Or you could have a lottery. You could have the cinnamon roll lottery on the front of every plane. The bottom line is, is what we've created is an environment where the worker can't really be successful because no matter what, the worker has to disappoint somebody and the person that's disappointed has to either handle it like an adult, which I would say I did. I became really interested in the systems part of this is what happened or just kind of realize they're not as important as the first 10 people that sit in first class. And that's kind of a part of what I want to talk to you about. Because we get really, really, really wound up over workers making choices and workers interfacing with our systems. And if they were just obedient, this wouldn't be a problem. But here's what I'm going to tell you. That amazing flight attendant, and she was amazing, she could be as obedient as, as I wanted her to be. She could be the most obedient flight attendant in the history of mankind. And the bottom line is the company, their process and their systems around the way they serve catering on that plane has created an environment where that worker has to deal with the intricacies and variabilities that are the individual passenger. And near as I can tell, the organization has traded off efficiency. We are going to save money and have less bread on the plane for cost. And near as I can tell, that trade-off isn't really a resounding trade-off to the end consumer who has to use it, the passenger. Because that ticket I was spending, because, you know, I'm flying really far. I'm going to Copenhagen, right? That ticket costs a lot of money. 
And they're actually putting me in a position around that ticket over a biscuit. Right? So this is a big expensive ticket. It costs a lot of money. Right? And they're going to make me less satisfied with their product over a biscuit. That is a big part of the conversation that we have to have. Because identifying those places where the goal conflict is, that's really an important part of understanding how work happens. That's the blue line that everybody talks about. That's where the worker has to make some kind of judgment. The worker has to appease some other force in your system that my guess is you're not aware of even exists. And if you find the places where those pain points are, it's a pretty good bet you're going to find places where workers have to become adaptive and where the potential for failure is actually quite high because we've built the failure potential into that system. And that takes me to ultimately the message that comes out of this. Well, there's two messages, actually, between us chickens. The first one is you need to know, and the only way I can figure out you can know this is by asking the people who do the work, where those points of of high reliance on workers just being good at what they do exist in your system. And once you find where those are, I, I think what you want to ask is, how can we make this problem better? Do we need more cinnamon? Is the cinnamon roll to biscuit ratio wrong? And can we micro-experiment this? Can we try a flight where we have 14 cinnamon rolls and six biscuits? Right? Or maybe the problem is we need 12 cinnamon rolls and eight biscuits or 14 biscuits and eight, you know, who knows? Maybe we need 10 of each because or 20 of each because ultimately determining where that pain point is and then asking the people who have the pain to help identify the problem and create the solution and then testing that solution, that's a pretty good way to handle that problem. And chances are pretty high that if you do that well, you get smarter and less passengers will be unhappy and more workers will be happier and you'll make a system that's actually more robust and resilient. And my point in the sort of foundation of this entire conversation is that ultimately what happens, ultimately what happens is it doesn't cost you more money because we're talking about the cost of a biscuit on a $9,000 plane ticket. It's, it's not more money. It's just a better use of your system to create the outcome that's positive for everybody that's a part of it. And that's message two. If I could tell you anything about what we do, it would be this quote, great resilience breeds great resilience. And that what we want to do is create a positive cycle. We want to create a system that builds on its ability to be positive. That It builds on its ability to create the outcomes that we want to have it create. Because if our system creates the outcomes we want to have it create, then the payoff for that is that the system now believes it has the ability to create the outcomes we want it to create, and it will continue to create the outcomes that we want to create. We have to create a positive cycle in the way we do work reliably and resiliently. Resilient systems know they're resilient 
because they count on being resilient to be resilient. Which seems a little circular, right? But if you think about it, it goes directly back to what we all know and believe. And that is that what we manage really is confidence. What we manage really is the ability for our workers to have the confidence to know that when they interface with that system and they're put in those points where they must make some kind of response, uh, those pain points, those goal conflict points, that the system is resilient enough that in fact when those pain points happen, they're led towards moving towards creating the outcome we want. That is the biscuit story. But the problem is, is that we're so invested in our system that we believe our system actually removes all those operational conflicts. But here's what we know. Our, our system doesn't remove operational conflicts. Our system creates operational conflicts all the time. I was just at a place where it was a big port where they said, well, the, the, we got a problem. And I said, well, what's the problem? And they said, well, these truck drivers come in and, you know, they're truck drivers. They, it may be their first time here. And the rule's pretty simple. You cannot be in your truck while your truck's loaded. You also cannot be outside of your truck when your truck's loaded. I said, well, if you can't be in your truck and you can't be out of your truck, where do you want people to be? And they said, well, um, uh, yeah, that's a good question, I guess. I mean, that's, a, that's an important question, right? That is a conflict where we count, we created a system where we expect these people to adapt. And we do that because we're sold on the fact that our system, our system must be perfect. It's, our system is the ideal state for how the process will run. And because we're so invested in that system, we don't go out and look for the places where the system potentially creates conflict. And that's what we have to do. And that's the story of the biscuit on United Airlines flying from Denver to Chicago on the way to Copenhagen. That story, my friends, is not the story of a biscuit. It's a story of a system in order to create financial efficiency, creating operational conflict at a personal level for every single person that does that work. That's what we need to be aware of. That's the story of the biscuit and the sunk cost process. There it is, my friends, the story of the biscuit and the sunk cost. Hey, yeah, he, ho, ho. What do you think? Was it too long? <laughs> so the bottom line is I uh, ate the biscuit uh, with the protein bowl or the eye opener, depending on how you want to call it that. Get to Chicago, and when we're landing in Chicago, uh, we're lined up to land. We get all the way almost down. We're almost ready. We're almost touching the tarmac, and zoom, we zoom back up. We do a go-round, which is pretty rare. Those don't happen very often because we have really super smart air traffic controllers that actually manage that traffic so we don't have to do that. But in this case, there was a plane on the runway, and they had to abort the landing. They had to do a go-round, and we had to get back in line. So I was going to have like a two-hour layover in Chicago. But I don't know if you know this, but if you do a go-around in Chicago, they got to vector you back in line, and it's Chicago. So it took a really – we lost about an hour. So we land. We barely get time to change planes. 
But this time, instead of having to walk two miles from gate 93 to gate 11, in Chicago, I come in at like gate 36, and my flight to Frankfurt is like gate 37. So I get out of the plane, walk about three feet, get in line, and they're already boarding because I'm super late. Get on the plane and sit in my seat, and I sit down. And the very first thing that happens is a flight attendant comes up to me and says, Sir, would you like a cinnamon roll? We have one for you. And I said, why, sure. And they said, I guess you uh, had some problems on your last flight. And uh, the flight attendant actually called us and said that you would really like to have a cinnamon roll this morning. And we have one. So see, there's good in humanity. And I ultimately got my cinnamon roll. So there we go. I mean, it was a different plane. And it was way past the protein bowl, but it was still a cinnamon roll. And ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with a cinnamon roll. That's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Join us. There's such great stuff coming up. I promise they're better than this one. I promise. But this is what you guys asked for, so I'm giving it to you. That is the podcast. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Uh, Learn something new every single day. And for goodness sakes, be safe.